Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, I'm Viv and together with Steve we have the absolute privilege of leading this wonderful church. Um, we've got a site in Battersea and Westside. Hello to everybody over there this morning. Hello to everybody online as well. Um, we are in a new year, aren't we? And uh, when we use this word church, does anyone kind of have a picture of what they imagine when they imagine the word church? What do we mean when we say the word church? If you didn't grow up in the church, it can be a little bit confusing, can't we? If you want to explain to a friend, like, come along to church with me, it's like, yeah, come along to like a group karaoke time, and then, you know, we're going to have a, a, a nice monologue, and yeah, I might give that one a miss. Um, but even those inside the church are often confused about what the church is. And so over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what it means to be the church from a biblical perspective. Because you can see throughout scriptures, the church is referred to in so many different ways. Um, The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the family of Christ, the temple of God, the people of God. It can function a little bit like a hospital or a classroom of discipleship or a family or an army on mission. So there's so many different terms that we use to describe the word church. But there's something about this Christian life. There's this mystery where it's this communal thing. You can't have it apart from community. You can't have it apart from people. You know, you have a responsibility. You have an accountability. Like one day... Every single one of us is going to have to stand before God on our own and be accountable for our own lives. If that doesn't um, give you the heebie-jeebies, I'm not quite sure what will. But, um, uh, you know, one day I'm going to stand before him and be accountable for my life. Not how Steve did it or how your life group leader did it, but I'm going to be accountable for my life. But there's something that happens when we gather together as a body of believers. There's a mystery that happens. And, um, you know, we can read about all the stories of the persecuted church, can't we, in all sorts of different countries where people are killed for, uh, being, for meeting together with other believers. And yet we, we, we kind of so easily forget that and take it for granted that we can gather freely on a, on a Sunday morning or wherever during the week. But why do, why do we come to church? What is it about church? What is, why is it important? Why is it important that we don't just sit at, high, at home um, and watching online? If you, you know, if you're watching online, bless you. <laughs> I'm not rebuking you. Love you guys. See you in your living rooms. Um, but I'm just not sure how that's how it always should be. Um, one of, one of the things that Steve and I have seen as we've interacted with people over the years is that when people don't go to church regularly, like weird stuff happens. Like you start kind of like believing weird stuff and you kind of go off on a bit of a tangent. And um, he, you know, can often start very, um, you know, from an offense or a hurt or, you know, something that somebody said to you um, or an arrogance that says, you know, I don't really need that. Um, but it does get weird. And it's not just you and God. He didn't design you that way. And, but I imagine across V61, we will have so many different experiences of church, what it is, what it isn't. Um, I grew up in a Christian family and was part of a brethren church. Uh, We used to meet on Sunday morning for our communion service or breaking of bread, as we used to call it. And the 15 to 20 people or so that used to gather there 
We'd sit around in a circle. We'd have no kids' church or anything like that. And my sisters and I, I think we might have a little photo. I'm the baby, obviously. Um, we would have to, this isn't us at church, obviously. I just couldn't find a photo of that. But we'd have to sit quietly and listen to the um, mainly older people, obviously all men, uh, pray, give words from scripture. And then um, we'd sing a few songs a cappella. When I say a cappella, that probably sounds better than it was. It just means that we didn't have any instruments. Um, so, and then we'd go back to church in the evening. We'd go back to church for a gospel preach. And so church was a huge part of my life. Um, the people in it, although they were fairly elderly, they were just like multiple grandparents to, to us as a family. And um, church was such a big part of our lives that like most kids would play schools or doctors and nurses, things like that, we would actually play church meetings. <laughs> Not joking. We'd act out the different personalities that were there and the different roles. And we'd set our teddies out. They would sit there ever so quietly and listen really well. And my sisters and I would dress up, obviously, in our hats because we were good brethren girls. Um, this is all making sense now, isn't it, for you? I, I knew, I, uh, you know, I imagine you're probably like, wow, you know, I knew Viv was weird. I didn't quite realise how weird. But I actually love the church. Uh, the name Vivian, it means lively and vivacious. And my parents specifically named me Vivian because they wanted life in the church. They wanted to see more life released to and in the church. Possibly got a little bit more than they bargained for. But I feel as though this is my purpose in life. My purpose in life is to bring life to the church. And so I'm passionate about this. So what does the Bible have to say about, the word, about church? Um, there are so many things, but the three things I want to highlight today are the power of gathering, the ecclesia, the power of the Holy Spirit in birthing the church, and the power for others. So firstly, the word, the main word um, that's translated church in the New Testament is a Greek word, ecclesia. Turn to your neighbor, wherever you are, Battersea Westside, say ecclesia. It's used 114 times in the New Testament. And this word ecclesia means to call out. In extra biblical writings of the first century, um, ecclesia was a calling out of people from wherever they were. Um, whether they were in their homes or their businesses, whatever they were doing, it, you would call them to assemble for something important. And so our first clue to understanding a biblical definition of church is that it's an assembly it's a, group, a called out group of people. Ecclesia is not the building. Um, for example, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in, in Thessalonica and says in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 1, Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. And you can imagine the church, the Ecclesia in Thessalonica. They get Paul's letter and they're reading it together. And what makes them a church is that they'd gathered together to read Paul's letter to them. Um, they were, you could say, an assembled assembly. Um, if you think about it, there's no such thing as a non-assembled assembly. There's no such thing as an ungathered, as the ungathered gathering. So the church is the gathered assembly of God's people. And in fact, when you read through the, uh, through the New Testament and you look for this word ecclesia, ecclesia 95% of the time, all the references to Ecclesia in the scriptures are references to local, visible, organized expressions of the church. 
the historical record of the book of Acts is an account of the founding of local churches. And many of the other uh, letters in the New Testament, they all start, don't they, saying to the church of God in Corinth or the church of God in Galatia. And so the earliest Christian use of this word, ecclesia, normally translated church in the Bible, refers to a physical gathering in a specific location of believers in Jesus. So when is the church not the church? Well, the assembly is not the assembly when it's not assembled. Like meeting together is an essential part of being the church. Um, You know, I certainly think that we can still be the church when we're scattered, like in a global pandemic. Don't know whether anyone's ever been in one of them or in times of persecution. Um, But the important thing to note that an actual gathering of people is required for the church to be the church. So, you know, Jesus is definitely there with you when you're with two or three other people, but it's not an assembly, it's not an ecclesia, it's not a church. And so I'm not the church by myself, nor is Jane at Westside or Adora at Battersea. They're not the church on their own. They're part of this dynamic, beautiful whole that when we gather, we're essentially gathered under the head of the church, which is God. And when we gather together, ultimately, this is not for you. Just turn to your neighbor, just say, this is not for you. This is for him. And if we don't make it about that, then we would just become a social club. And probably not a great social club, if I'm honest. <laughs> and we'll just, be, we'll just be focused on trying to make everybody happy. But if we're here for him, the byproduct will be that we'll find each other. Because for some of us, you might have nothing in common with the person sitting next to you. I'm not gonna get you to turn to your neighbor and do that. Um, but you, 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 know, you have no reason necessarily to be in this room together. And that is our starting point, isn't it? We're not going to pretend that we're all like cookie cutters of the same person. But we have every reason to be in this room together. We're at Westside, we're at Battersea, because we're here for him. And he's put his spirit of his son inside of you that cries out, Abba, Father. And so together, we have the same father. That's our starting point. This is the ecclesia, the body of which Christ is the head. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says, And God placed all things under his, that is Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Jesus is the head of the church, not me or Steve. We, We are all the body and we have to be attached together. I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 10 as well. Again, I think it will come up on the screens, but feel free to turn to it. Um, In this chapter, the the writer of the Hebrews, he's just finished describing why the sacrifice of Christ is sufficient and why we don't need animal sacrifices anymore. And he has these concluding remarks. Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, 
having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So you see, you see this coming to this throne of grace with confidence is, just, is not just me on my own, it's us. He says, don't stop coming together because this mystery happens when you're together. And we remind, we remind each other, don't we, of his sacrifice. And so together we come before the throne of grace. And, you know, on the, you know there's, there could be one day that I come and I'm feeling really weak, but like, Esther's strong. And she reminds me, you know, Jesus' death is enough. If part of the way that we're wired is for someone else to remind us. Remember the resurrection. Remember his sacrifice. And maybe you've come in today and you, you're just feeling hopeless about a situation. Or burdened for Jill at Westside, for example. And, but somebody next to you says, no. Remember, we're coming to his throne of grace with confidence together. One of the miracles that I've seen over the last couple of months is just the way that the body has come together when part of it is hurting. It's just, it's been miraculous. I've watched as you guys have contended for Chris as his life was in the balance. Um, you know, some of you not even knowing who he was, but praying for him or cooking meals for Jess or turning up every single week at Battersea to set the hall up. You know, it's a miracle. It's the body and we need to be together. And so practically, what does it mean for us to be the church today? Um, personally, if I'm going to be part of the church, it means that I'm making a personal commitment to gather week in and week out with other believers. Showing up at church meetings actually means something. You know, if, it, if I don't show up, it's a bit like me saying I'm, I'm you know, I'm part of the ultimate Frisbee team, which I am. We um, <laughs> meet on a Monday night, by the way. Um, but if I never go along... I can't say, you know, if you don't come along on a Monday night, you're not part of the Ultimate Frisbee team. Um, you can. There's plenty of space for people. Um, but you and I are not created to follow Jesus alone. We're, part, we're not part of the church without one another. And this massively confronts our individuality in the UK. You might not like the condition of the church, but don't let this current cultural attitude of dismissing biblical ecclesia to stop you from connecting with one another and participating in what he's doing today. Uh, you know, allowing your individuality to be confronted by the body of Christ, by the community, is a really healthy thing. God will use other followers of Christ, some of you who you may not particularly get along with, to make you and help you become more like Jesus. And so to follow Jesus is to actually be part of a community. Jesus' earliest followers... Um, were invited into community with, with one another. It, you know, there was a, think about it, there was a, a community of wildly different people. There was a tax collector who was content enough with Roman occupation to, uh, to represent the government. And then there was a zealot who was part of a movement to, uh, to throw off Roman rule by any means necessary. So like literally two ends, complete opposite ends of the political spectrum. And it was wildly diverse for that time. And the bigger picture of Ecclesia we read about in Revelation, it's not just made up of one race or gender or socioeconomic class. It includes men and women from every single nation and every single tribe and every single language. 
It's not made up necessarily of people that you choose to hang out with. So to be the church today, it means that for you and I, we're committing to be an actual real community with those who are sometimes very different from us, with different perspectives. It means opening ourselves up to the risk of being hurt. I'm not sure I've met many people who haven't been hurt by church, or at least know somebody that has, me included. Um, maybe you've seen hypocrisy, or been offended by someone, or disappointed in some way, and it's the enemy's way of isolating us. But can I tell you a hard thing? Yes. Um, <laughs> someone else's sin never gives you permission to not obey God. It's not an excuse, and there's a lie embedded in it that's stopping you from receiving life. And the other thing is that we have to let go of our ideals, because one of the weird ways that God works is that he uses broken people. You know, right since the beginning of time, you know, he said to David, didn't he, you know, you have killed Uriah, you've um, committed adultery, you lead my people. You know, we're, we're, he, he chooses broken people to lead the church. You know, I'm sure Steve or I will let you down at some point if we haven't already. But the goal is to connect you to the head. The goal is for you to be nourished and grow up into the head, which is Jesus. And you cannot do it on your own. You just, you can't do it on your own. You weren't created for it and he didn't design you that way. Okay, the last two points are quicker, I promise you. Point two the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the church, the ecclesia, was birthed just after Jesus ascended into heaven through the power of the Spirit. The church is not the church unless the Spirit of God breathes upon it. And my passion is that the Spirit of God would breathe on us again and again and again every time we meet. You know, Isaiah 61, it's our mandate as a church. The Spirit, the sovereign Lord is upon us. Uh, I'm not interested in needing a church where the Spirit of God isn't here. We need him. We absolutely need him. You know, like Moses said, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but he says, uh, you know, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going anywhere. We absolutely need God. God, would you, would you let 2023 be a year marked out by your presence? Would you, whenever we gather together, we're here for him. And would, would that be a mark of us as a community this year? So let's read from Acts 2, where the Spirit of God fell upon that early gathering of believers. Acts 2, verses 1 to 4, and then we're going to um, skip a little bit uh, ahead as well. So verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And let's just skip down to verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to their number every day. I mean, how on earth did they cope with that growth? Blows my mind. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love that description of the early church. I can't actually drink without dribbling. Um, <laughs> but you see what happened when they came together. They were dramatically transformed by the Spirit of God. Dramatically. When, you know, when Steve had the open vision um, in 2012 um, of the blueprint of this church, if you, if you don't know about that, if you haven't heard that story, I think it's on the V61 YouTube channel, Glory in Our Story video. But he saw in this open vision, he saw like these hubs of fire and light across this area of London where people would, would come in and they'd be transformed by God um, and they'd, they'd take the fire out with them and then they'd uh, start other fires and the city around us would start to be transformed. This is the purpose of church, where places where we gather together to worship God and then the spirit of God falls upon us, transforms us, and then we take that transforming power out with us everywhere we go. And I think my prayer for this year is, God, would you do that again? Would you do that with us as a community this year? Would you fall on us afresh? Would you baptize us? Well, I mean, just why, why don't we even just take a minute right now? Put your hands um, out in front of you just as a sign of um, just welcome to the Spirit of God. And we just say, Spirit of God, come upon us again. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe on us afresh. Just where we're, we're weary and dry and empty, breathe your life on us afresh, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. have more time at the end just to again receive from God but this is why we're here guys to meet with the living God so let's just remind ourselves again of why we go to church you know if you have children as well like remind them of why you go to church it's not so that you're going to be entertained so let's set our expectations right so again, just to recap, there's power and mystery when we gather together as an assembly. As a body of people, we're here to worship God. We're here to love him together because he's worthy. Secondly, we're here to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And just like every time we're together, just calm Holy Spirit. And thirdly, my final point, we're here to love somebody else today. We're here for other people did you know that you can always have a word of encouragement for someone else? Always. You might be in the worst state of your life, but I promise you that you can say something encouraging to somebody else every time we come together. The Holy Spirit, I think, hovers over us. with He's, he's just got so much encouragement to distribute out, and we just need to open our mouths and, and do it. 
And then the other challenge is to, to be something, be part of something bigger than yourselves. Be part of the transformation of this city. You know, one of the things that we're able to do when we come together is that we're able to do far more together than we're able to do alone. It means that we're able to participate in God's transformation business in London. Whether that's joining in with the hub on a Monday, uh, providing a, a space for some of the more isolated people in our community, or taking some of the items to the homeless and rough sleepers with Mercy Street, or giving financially to the life of the church, or serving at the youth group at Westside on a Friday night, and all of the other things that we do as a church. None of us could ever do that alone. But together we can actually serve our community. We can actually make a difference. Being part of an ecclesia is to allow God to change the way that you look at and participate in the world around you. So commit yourself to serving somewhere, both in the local church community and in the larger community. Give, give away what sometimes feels like the very little you have to actually see others grow and develop. Make a commitment to be part of a healthy community. And to, to do that would mean some of us have to repent. And repent just literally means to change direction and to turn. Perhaps your attitude has been, sure, you know, I'll show up or tune in as long as there's nothing better to do, as long as I can manage to get out of bed. But maybe you recognize today that there's actually been so many competing things for your affection and your attention. And you're recognizing that God's inviting you into a deeper, healthier biblical community. Don't settle for only being a spectator behind a mask when we gather together. And I'm not talking about COVID masks. I'm inviting you to join in and getting, get involved in community. Join a small group. You know, if you want to get the good stuff of Ecclesia, if you want to get challenged to grow in becoming more like Jesus, you know, we've, we've probably got 200, 250 people that would call V61 their home. And we're wanting to call people to be committed to follow Jesus together, committed in relationship with one another, and growing to be more like Jesus together. And I'm inviting each, each one of you to make a commitment to that. We're all called into local expressions of the church where worship and formation and mission take place. And, you know, you're here in London. Who knows how long you'll be here for? Um, people don't tend to stay in London for, long, for a long, long period of time, which breaks my heart. But can I challenge you, while you're here in London... Make sure you have a spiritual home. If it's not this church, then commit to another church. But make it your training ground. God has a purpose for you being here in London in his design as, as a church, of the church. Don't make church secondary to your purpose of being in London. And I, I don't mean just fill it up with church meetings. That's not what I mean. I mean see it as your home and your launching pad for your life. You know, here's the place where we worship together. We're built up. We're filled again with his spirit. We, you know, we bring ourselves here to be encouraged, but also to be an encouragement to others. And at the start of 2023, just what is your vision? What's your vision for your place in the church? How do you want to show up this year within the Ecclesia? We get to choose at the beginning of this year. Do I want to go to every single social event that this wonderful city has to offer? Or am I going to choose to be in the city in a different way? You know, as we read earlier in Hebrews 10, let us not neglect meeting together as some have made it a habit, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so on that note, I want us to take communion together. 
as the body of Christ, one of the things that Jesus invites us to do is to remember him. And it's, it's kind of like this family meal that we continually find nourishment on the body of, and the person of Christ together. And so I'm going to hand back to Steve in Battersea and Kelsey in Westside to lead in communion this morning. In Matthew 26, it says, While they were eating together, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. And then after supper, he took a cup, and, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, thank you just for this incredible gift that you've given us. Thank you for the gift of your body and your blood that you've forgiven our sins, that we are, we are there's a clean slate with you. And we just take this, um, these symbols of your body and your blood together this morning. Thank you that you've united us together. Thank you that we have the same Father. And as we share this together, Father, would you come and breathe your spirit on us again this morning? Breathe on us afresh this morning, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.